Acts chapter 1, reading from verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together the crowd numbered about 120 persons and said, Friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. So one of the men who have accompanied us throughout the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph called Basabas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand as Mark comes to bring us the gospel reading. That's better. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While, while I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your words, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. 
Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Um, Before I start, I just want to pray quickly. Father God, I just pray that um, the words that I speak today uh, would be from you. Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come and rest on me, and that the words be in line with your heart, and that any words that aren't, that they would (laughs) not sit with people. Yes, Lord. Amen. Yes, good morning. Uh, Today's readings are interesting. (laughs) Um, When I first looked at them, we've got the Acts reading, which is all about Judas's successor. And I went, oh, that's going to be a hard one. And I thought, tell you what, I'll look at the gospel and maybe I'll forget Acts. And I start reading the gospel of John where Jesus is praying for his disciples. And I go, this is okay. I can do this. And then it gets to the bit about Judas. (laughs) And I go, oh, Right, I look back at the readings and it says you've got to have the Acts reading. Right, it's because we're in that season of um, remembering the development of the early church. uh, What God was doing through Jesus, through his uh, disciples, through the people of God. Um, And it's important that we look at it. But I thought, oh, I've got to talk on Judas. And it's going to be really, really hard Uh, So I ask you to bear with me today um, as I do that. And there are lots of thoughts out there uh, about all of this. And if I say stuff that um, challenges you this morning, what I'm going to ask you to do is hold on to that. Take it back to God. Uh, Ask him to really do business with you on what does it mean. Uh, You're going to hear my thoughts and the journey that I've been on with God. And I'd ask you to do the same. So this morning I'm going to be talking about Judas and his replacement. So let's deal with the, re- the replacement. Um, Matthias. Um, they cast lots to decide who was going to be uh, the replacement for Judas. And the first thing that came to my mind is it sounds like gambling. I thought, how does that work? And the simple answer as I looked into it is it wasn't gambling. They had found two people from amongst their ranks who were worthy people to take um, Judas' place. They were good. They were upstanding. They were the people that um, could step in. How to choose between two people that could both do the job? They drew lots. It's like flipping a coin. It's like drawing straws. Um, They basically took the decision and said, God, we could have either. Which one would you like? And this brought me to a place in when I was thinking about the replacement stuff, about I wonder how we deal with decision making and whether this is a challenge to us. When was the last time you let God in on a decision? Now, I know for myself, I'll weigh up all the options. Uh, I'll get all of my information. If I get to that point of going, "Mm, I'm not sure which way to go, I could go either way. I then try to make a judgment call for myself which one I think might just be a little bit better. But when are we actually willing to say to God, whichever way, 
is fine. I trust you. And I think that's something we can take away from that, uh, that replacement uh, from today. But the main part of what I'm going to talk about is Judas himself. Uh, yes, it's a difficult subject. So uh, please bear with me. But in sometimes, um, sometimes when we deal with a difficult subject, we can either do what I did initially, which is maybe I'll deal with that later. And what we can find is if we keep on doing that, that our understanding of God becomes one that is just made up of things that we like. And sometimes when we get a difficult passage or we get a difficult uh, subject to talk about, we need to dig a little bit deeper. We need to brush the dust off. We need to look for the heart of God within that. And hopefully today, that's some of what we're going to do. So uh, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to look at an understanding of who Judas was and his time with Jesus. And then I'm also going to look at uh, comparing him to another disciple who had similar traits or similar things said about him. Uh, And that's going to be Peter. Uh, each facing the challenges of being a disciple, but with different consequences. So let's look at Judas. Who was Judas? He was an active member of Jesus' ministry. He was there from the beginning, from John's baptism. And he was there until the Last Supper, where he left. He would have been sent out into Judea in uh, a pair with other people to declare the kingdom of God to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to bring God's kingdom into that place. He would have been there when miracles happened. He would have seen Jairus' daughter as she raised from her bed. He would have seen uh, the paralysed man lowered down in the roof. And when Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk, he would have seen it happen. He saw the miracles happen. He saw the kingdom of God there. He would have seen the Samaritan woman restored at the well and sent back to her town and see a whole town being restored by a few words at a well. Even with all of this, something happened for Judas. Something happened inside of him. Was he just a bad apple or an infiltrator within the ranks? Some would say yes. But we have to remember that he was also respected by other people. He was given the purse, the communal purse of money to look after. When he spoke to Jesus on that uh, last supper and Jesus told him to uh, go away and do what he needed to do, everybody thought it was something to do with finance. He was a trusted person within the team, but something happens. But do I think that Judas was somebody who wasn't for Jesus at the beginning? No, I don't. I think think if I did think that, I would be concerned that um, Judas had remorse afterwards because somebody who wouldn't be bothered with Jesus probably wouldn't have remorse, but he did. He had remorse. He was devastated, cut to the core, convicted of the wrong that had happened. And in John's Gospel, it says that he tried to give the money back in the temple. And when they wouldn't take it, he took that money, that 30 pieces of silver, and he threw it across the floor. 
They're not the actions of somebody who didn't have remorse. And it was from that that he went on. And if we read John's Gospel in its um, completeness, it says that he takes his own life. Oh, to be that lost. Oh, to be Judas, that you feel that there is no other way. And my heart goes out to him and anyone that has been in that situation. You see, today what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to paint a picture of Judas. One of a disciple who loved Jesus enough that when he was called, he left everything to follow him. But as he went on, that there were stumbling blocks for him. Things that he couldn't get over. Things that he struggled with. And that these stumbling blocks would eventually be his downfall. Now there are lots of theories out there and there have been lots of traditions and lots of understanding built upon this. And I'm not going to go into all of that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to look at why would following Jesus be so difficult for Judas. And I think it's similar for the rest of us. It's because Jesus turns the world upside down. You know, for the Jews, they had the Sabbath day, which was to be kept holy and pure. And you weren't supposed to do anything on it. But Jesus was picking corn and feeding uh, his disciples Sinners, you were supposed to keep away from sinners and not sin and be holy. Yet Jesus met with them and he ate with them and he welcomed them in. When they got to a place when lots of people needed feeding, like 5,000 of them, and they went, we don't know what to do in our strength, Jesus said, you feed them. I always love that of Jesus when it comes to the disciples. You go and feed them. And what happens is they can't see that Jesus can do the impossible The song we sang this morning, he can make a way. They couldn't see that. It was difficult following Jesus. And you see, Jesus' disciples would have seen other teachers around at that time, other rabbis, that they all worked in a similar way. They went, this is what I believe. I'm going to tell you what I believe. You repeat it. And if you're really good as a student and a disciple, people will look at you and they'll see me. Because you'll just repeat what I'm saying. And when Jesus' disciples went to him and they looked for clarity from Jesus and they asked him, what should we believe? What's going on? He would often reply to them, who do you say I am? And you see, this is where I think one of the first stumbling blocks for people and Judas in particular comes out. Jesus invites us into a place of freedom and of choice. He asks us to follow, to make that choice, to say who we believe he is. He doesn't ask us to just come and blindly follow. He says, what's in your heart? Where are you with me? Who do you say I am? He often tells people the truth and then he lets it sit with them. And for some people, they walked away because it was too hard The rich young ruler walked away and it says Jesus was sad. Nicodemus went and met Jesus during uh, the night because he was scared to go and see him during the day. And it's not until after he's died that Nicodemus stands up and goes with Joseph of Arimathea to go and bury Jesus. He didn't say to Nicodemus, you must come and stand with me. He let Nicodemus choose where he was. And for Judas... I believe the same thing is happening. 
He's going through this time of having more questions than maybe answers, and he's being challenged. But it's how he responds to this challenge that brings us uh, into how to deal with this story. You see, Jesus was a challenge to follow. His words were confusing. He said to one, you needed to be born again, another to receive living water. To the rich young ruler, he said, you need to give everything away. When he was talking to his disciples, for one of them, when he walked on water, he said, you come and do the same. He asked them to take authority over the world that they were in. Authority not just to control things like the the wind and the storm that they saw him do, but the authority to cast out things that weren't supposed to be there. Where the world rejected people, Jesus loved them and pulled them back in. The lepers, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. Judas's world was being turned upside down and it must have been so hard. Judas might have wanted to see the kingdom come, to see God's people restored, but maybe not in the way that it was happening in front of him. Now, like I said, I'm painting a picture, and you probably have your own picture of Judas in your mind as well. But I have to say, in in my picture, I see uh, a Judas who is finding it more and more difficult, that the things that he might have held dear would just be getting too much and it would be like it's bubbling up inside of him. You see, I don't think that there was one place that Judas went, you know what, I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. I think there were lots of little bits that just got too difficult. Uh, Like a niggle that just keeps on coming. And I think the last few days of Jesus' ministry, those last few weeks, would have been really, really difficult. And this is why. When Jesus was anointed at Bethany with oil, that oil was worth a year's worth of money. Judas was the money carrier. And in my mind, I could see Judas going, what is going on? Can't we use that money elsewhere? Can't we use it to... um, Feed the poor. Feed the hungry. Why aren't we doing this differently? And I think what was happening for Judas in some ways is he was getting caught on his own experience and he couldn't see the bigger picture of what was happening. A stumbling block. Now the other thing that happens um, where we get to where we find that Judas actually leaves Jesus is actually at the Last Supper. Jesus uh, sits down with his disciples. They're having the most important meal of the year. They are celebrating how God has protected his people and restored them from when they came out of Egypt. And he takes the very things on the table. He takes the bread, which was a depiction of the manna, the provision of God. And he says it and he says, this is my body that was broken. Break it in remembrance of me. And I think for Judas, that, that's sort of like the thing that's like, what? What's going on? Now, whether Judas had decided at this point to go and um, speak to the Roman officials or the Jewish leaders uh, and to betray Jesus or not, I don't know. But what I do know is that this is the last point that he is with Jesus. And I know that Jesus also took the cup, which was the wine that was on the table, said, this is my blood, 
You know, we look back to the, um, the festival of Passover and the cup and the blood was to represent the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed to bring people out of freedom. Jesus was so right when he said, this is my blood because I'm going to be setting you free. But in Judas, I think there was something that rose up that just went, no. I think his heart broke. And it was when he was lost and confused and hurting, when he knew, no, that there's a moment in this uh, reading where Jesus looks to Judas and he says, what you're about to do, go and do quickly. Have you ever been in that place of such disillusion that you don't know what to say or what to do, that your mouth is just open and you are just shocked? Judas couldn't see past his experience. He couldn't see the freedom and the grace that was coming. And we ourselves can get caught ourselves in that same trap, in that same place. All we've got to do is look at our world at the moment and look at the news and look at everybody saying, this is how things should be done. Why have you not done this? Why have you not done that? Uh, And we're very good at doing that. Just like Judas did it as well. But we can miss the point. This is where I want to bring Peter in. You see, um, it was at this point that I think it's heart-wrenching, to be honest. Judas has turned away from Jesus, and Jesus has declared, I know. And in one of our readings, it says that um, it's at this point, this very point, that Satan um, came into Judas at that point. And it's this where I want to bring Peter in. Because Peter was also someone who turned from Jesus. In the Gospel readings, we hear after Gethsemane where Peter cut off the ear of someone. That was not in Jesus' plan. That was not part of his teaching of his disciples. That was a no-no, yeah? Peter has gone completely against everything that he's been taught in an instant. And then he runs away. And then he goes back and hangs around on the outside. And then he denies Christ three times, and then he runs away again. You know what? Peter turned away from Jesus. They both made a choice. But there's a difference in the way in which they made their choice. For Peter, I think his choice uh, was basically a reaction. It was almost instant. Thank you. Instantaneously. Oh, that's a big word, isn't it? It was immediate. Um, It was really, really immediate. Peter lived with his heart on his sleeve. He responded, he reacted. But I think for Judas, he had decided to make a decision. I think it was thought through, I think it was premeditated. Both chose but in slightly different ways. Now, did Jesus love Judas? He was one of his disciples. Of course he did. He called him. Do you think he knew it was all too much for him? Yeah, I think he did. I think that's why he said, go and do what you have to do. 
And we get to that heart-wrenching moment where Jesus is betrayed. Now, my second point is this thing about um, when Satan enters into Judas. Um, The same thing happened with Peter, but in a slightly different way. When Peter declared um, that he didn't want Jesus to go to the cross, Jesus turned to him and he said, get behind me, Satan. It was very clear. Yeah, What we have is Jesus declaring that he can see something happening. He can see uh, a bit of deception. He can see the devil at work and is calling it out for what it is. So Peter and Judas both had a choice. Both um, had the devil come in and try and convince them. But then here comes the next bit. How they responded to that, how they responded to Jesus was different. For this, he turned and tried to fix it for himself. He went to the temple, threw the money across the floor, as we said, and he tried to sort out his own mess. And in this, he was overwhelmed and brought to that point where he took his life. Now, Peter, on the other hand, when he had got everything wrong, when he was broken as broken as Judas was, when he had denied Jesus, run away, that he was guilty. The first thing he did after that was he went back to fishing. But when he heard Jesus' call, when he saw Jesus, he ran to him. And actually, we can see it twice. We can see it after the time that Jesus says to him, Satan, get behind me. He turned back to Jesus and says, what do I need to do? He carries on being a disciple. He doesn't just run away. Uh, And actually, when he meets Jesus on that beach for that first time, he jumps out of the boat and swims as quick as he can back to Jesus because he just wants to turn to Jesus, his saviour. See, there's a difference. Judas turned away from Jesus. Peter turned in to Jesus. The ultimate result in the action is that we see for Judas that he was replaced. He turned turned away from Jesus, tried to fix it for himself. But for Peter, who turned back to him, he wasn't replaced. Peter was restored. He was built up. We heard today in our reading that he stood in front of 120 people, the fishermen who didn't actually get things right, and he spoke about what God was doing. And he spoke about Jesus, and he led, within the first couple of months, thousands of people to Christ. He was restored because he turned back to Jesus. You see, there's a difference between the two. One turned to Jesus and stepped into a new life to see the glory, the grace and the compassion that we sing about, that we sang about this morning. That's what he turned to, to eternal life, to a life that starts in all of its fullness, the moment that we accept Jesus as the one and only that we need for life itself. And the other turned away. Now, as I bring this to an end, I'd like you to humour me today. As I feel really, really called in all of this, that um, we should be praying for um, Judas himself, 
but also for all those that might be in that same sort of place of feeling that lost, that far away. You see, I don't understand where, or I don't know where Judas is with Jesus. But what I do know is the Jesus that I love and the Jesus that I hear of, who calls people back to him. The Jesus who restored St. Paul himself, who brought other people to stone Christians, who incited hatred, and that Paul was restored and used in a way that he could not imagine. I know that when he was on a cross and the, the person next to him said, remember me in heaven, and he promised he would. And I have to say that when it comes to Judas, I don't know where he stands with Jesus, but I want to pray for him. I want to pray for his heart and that Jesus will be with him. So let me pray. Lord, Jesus, only you know the heart of each individual. And like I said, we don't know where uh, Judas is with you, but we know who you are. Lord, we ask for your loving kindness to meet um, not just him, but every person that's in that place. Lord, that they might turn to you in their hour of need and that they would not turn away. Lord, we speak against the power of sin and the power of death and say that they have no place in your children, in your creation, and we declare freedom for those people. And Lord, for those that are at the end of themselves, that are lost, disillusioned, trapped, whether it's by addiction or hatred, Lord, we declare complete freedom that comes from your life, your death, and your resurrection. Lord, we say more of your kingdom. Lord, you are the way. And Lord, may we and others turn to you. Lord, we ask you to break through in this world, in these situations, and bring freedom to your people. Amen. Now, I just want to finish with a prayer for all of us. May our eyes be open to see the risen Lord. May we respond to him and turn to him, allowing him to restore and renew us in his likeness and to bring his glory to the world around us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks,